Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Insights with Experts. Joining us here today, we are very, very fortunate to have Mr. Michael Husky. Michael, he has done numerous things over his life. He's the founder of Asian Heritage AU. He is also the founder of the Value Exchange, and he is also on the, on the board of Shoebox Ventures. And those are just some of the many, many things he's currently immersed in as of now. Michael, it's absolutely wonderful to have you here today. How are you? Good man. Um, just it's it's a uh, it's eleven o'clock in the morning here in Australia. So um, you know you it's a Sunday. We're on Sunday right now, right? Yeah. Um, so you know just trying to figure out what what what's what's the game plan for today. I've actually got a, our, our team's got a photo shoot uh, um, later today. So I've just kind of been having these conversations with the technology advisors and stuff like that before you actually head out. Melbourne's starting to open up a little bit more from the COVID lockdown. So um, yeah, man, it's just just kind of mesh everything out and see how the day plans. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Um, so, Michael, first thing that uh, I wanted to know, now this is a question which we ask everyone that comes on. It's the first question, and it's essentially, what is an overview of your journey? So from the moment you, you left school to that moment you are now, I mean, what made you want to go into entrepreneurship? What made you want to start Val Value X? I mean, all of, all of these things. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um... Like, are you looking for a sentence or a phrase or like just kind of like just an overview based on, I guess, I, yeah, um, just based on my journey, I'd probably say um, self-discovery is the journey that one embarks on when they pick the road of risk. Um, anyone, let it be a creative, a leader or an entrepreneur or a risk taker in any fashion, um, generally will find more of themselves and go through the process of what they're actual, actually capable of. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, just from a place of like, when I say self-discovery, it's like, I think it's a very, like, it's a, it's a word. It's very easily to kind of, um, to be made, uh, like a buzzword, but, you know, understanding, I guess, who you are and what it is that you want to do in comparison to who you are and what you think you should be doing. And, um, yeah, I mean, these, 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 these questions for the self are always changing. Um, but once you've kind of got everything on graft and clutch, you kind of figure out, you know, you, you start to discover yourself from a multiple different lenses. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Nice. Of course. And I mean, and it sort of seems, seems now, I mean, even though, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you're as young as maybe we are, but, and, but I also wouldn't say you're as old as some of these CEOs out there in these top firms as well but I mean it seems that even where you are now you seem to have I mean you can say if I'm wrong but you seem to have found sort of your feet if I'm not wrong oh most definitely um you you uh self-embrace uh you know I think I'm I'm, I'm uh, technically generation Y end of end of generation Y and on cusp of generation Z um I'm 26 now and um at this point I would be considered like I've probably lived my life in the world of Gen Z more so often <clears throat> And, you know, I've been fortunate in my, in my own journey in, you know, developing value works with my business partner. Um, and, you know, he being probably around 30, 32 now, I think, <clears throat> you, you start to realize there's different, um, different mentalities and different age groups, right? Like it's, just, it's very consistent across the generations. Um, but everyone's superpower is the time in which they're born. And in the day, um, you know, as probably like I'm closer to you than, like, how old are you, Sean? 19 years old as of now. 19 years. So, you know, for me, I'm probably closer to you than I am the age of my business partner. But what I can tell you is 
I'm in the same feet in which, you know, I'm born in the, in the generation that the phone is hooked to my left hand or my right hand. And um, I'm interpreting what it is that how, you know, these executives or these, you know, um, people who've done cool things, how they've done it in their time and then figuring out how we're doing it in our time. Right. Yeah. And you, you talked a lot about like how you're on the cusp of like Gen Z, you're currently in Gen Y. I wanted to talk a little bit more about how we have these generations and so on. And currently we have this Gen Z and we're born and we're growing in this 21st century age where so many things are changing. There's so many things on offer. So I wanted to ask you as somebody who knows a little bit about tech in you know, this kind of space, what are perhaps some of the tools, some of the pieces of text, you know, is it social media, X, Y, Z, these kinds of things that the youth should be trying to leverage now? Yeah, I mean, what's <clears throat> oh, good? Everyone is given the same tools. Um, ever since the farmers came, um, you know, went, went from, what's good? I, I started, my, my era would have held the Nokia, the Nokia phone where you could switch the covers. And then the blue, the, the, the Blackberry came through and now ultimately the iPhones kinged it. Um, and, you know, we all have iPhones. We all treat it like we do, like sending messages, you know, getting on calls and all these things. But I think it's the lens in which you look at what's available to you. Um, we're, we're in the world, like, before the iPhone, I think knowledge is scarce. Knowledge is like, oh, you have to know the experts and everything. Um, the internet provides this, like, quick link for you to find anything and everything. And I'll be honest, Generation Z has more answers and has more power than they think. When I say this, I mean they have the ability to basically digest information very quickly. Um, you know, information on recall <clears throat> from anything. Like at this point, it's not the, the magic is not learning and bleeding into being an expert. It's learning, okay, I've got a problem now. I need to fix it. What do I have to read? What do I have to take a look at? What do I have to, who do I have to talk to to figure out what the answer is to that particular problem? Let it be in work, let it be in home, let it be in anywhere. Do you get me? Um, the tools that I could probably recommend um, for a person who's wanting to be a crew, like whether it be in um, a creative, a leader, or an entrepreneur, or a risk taker, which are, you know, just by the Asian Heritage AU, um, I guess, logo and what we're about, we, you know, we empower creatives, entrepreneurs, leaders, and risk takers. And, you know, we live in the world of, you know, the digital experience. Everyone knows social media. Everyone knows Facebook, Instagram exists. Um, and everyone knows what these are utilized for. But to utilize them in a more objective reality, to be able to get your you know, your identity out there, your idea or who you're, what you're about out there, you've kind of got to study the platform, not from a place of reading everything online, but actually going, okay, I'm, I'm wanting to post this and I want it to interact with A, B, C, and D people. Why am I doing this? Who am I tagging? Who am I, um, you know, uh, who do I actually need to have a conversation with? Do you know what I'm saying? Um, the other side of everything, like building websites, uh, building platforms, building, um, you know, these entities or these tools, right, is a mixture of utilizing, you know, like no-code um, platforms like Wix, um, you know, Squarespace, all of these things are, you know, web builders that I think WordPress, you know, all of these things have been things that have been around for a while now. And you want a website, it, the reality is just learning about the nitty-gritty. You want to learn about the analytics side, you learn what the software is around that. And, you know, it's just a matter of figuring out what the, what is it that you like, you know, before, but before you get into all of that stuff, the, the reality is kind of figuring out what is it that it's your lane? What lane are you chasing? Who, you, who do you have to talk to? And in comparison to who you, what, you know, what you're comfortable with right now, you know what I'm saying? Um, like Sean, like yourself, you know, you've gone through the journey of creating to see it and you know, you've had to figure out, all right, cool. There's a website here. There's now, if I'm going to build something else, it has to be a cascade of, who do I need to talk to that's not within my regional expertise? Do you know what I'm saying? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And you, you specifically talk about like social media as a whole. And I think it's safe to say that with so- social media, it's a lot more interconnected, interdependent world that we have. You could be anywhere in the world, but you could be connected with somewhere else. And that leads on <clears> very nicely onto this next question, which I'd like to ask you. That's with the Asian, um, that's with your role at the Asian Heritage um, in Australia. Now, I wanted to know here, so what, what made you want to actually take on a role in this? What made you want to, you know, take this to where it is as of now? And what about the c- culture space perhaps stands out to you? And why do you think maybe students all around the world can actually gain from having themselves involved in maybe similar initiatives like this? Sure. Um, I think it's probably the easiest way to explain it to you from a place of like, I guess, starting Asian Heritage AU. Um, I, how it came to start was I was responsible for curating music acts for an eight hour online conference based in the States. And um, the consensus of the um, conference was for the basis of Asian Heritage Month in, in the States, really. Um, and being an Australian operator, I was responsible for curating the music acts. So I was responsible for the music segments, just from having relationships in the music industry, as well as just those who are performers. Um, and then basically, I kind of, being a part of this process, I was kind of like, Asian Heritage Month is a thing in the States. But why is it not a thing in Australia? Do you know what I'm saying? So then I started Googling and Wikipedia, like, what, what is Asian Heritage Month? And the reality is, it's, it's just a time in which, I guess, American policy writers or like a, somebody important in America has gone, this is when they came over and this is how the Asian communities have developed, da 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 um, So for me, you know, my technology advisors over there, they were kind of saying, look, Michael, you could probably be the catalyst for Asian Heritage Month in Australia. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I don't know how much I'm proud about being, you know, like Asian heritage and everything. Like I'm, I'm Westworld born in... I'm Asian born in the Western world. Like, um, you know, when I think about like what's happened in, I guess, my own, you know, cultural history, Vietnam, I kind of try and distance my way from it just from a place of going, that's not my war. That's, that's not my time. I didn't go through that. So I'm not going to pretend like, um, you know, I, I have a stance on that. You know what I'm saying? But I'm in the time of now in which I've been fortunate to walk the world of, you know, the tech startup world, pitching and traveling to different parts of the world. Like with ValueX, we, we, we went from being a Melbourne tech startup, just pitching to the local areas to traveling to Dubai, France, Sweden, Russia, and China. Um, we'd won Alibaba startup competition and all these things just cascaded and going, wow, like for you to have an idea, just to put it on your chest, run out there and tell the world, there's, there's a lot of things that one has to override from a place of confidence and, you know, really being assertive. And then um, just knowing that, you know, my own journey has been one in which, you know, being brought up within an Asian family household, you know, we're very, like, we just, you know, we're afraid of being in trouble. We're afraid of, you know, you know, just being, just pissing off our parents straight up. You know what I mean? And from a very clear, no bullshit way, it's like, you have to hit a point in which you go, you know what? I love my parents, but I got to do this for me because I, I, I need to be able to take the risk because there are things that I'm a fan of and that I have interests in that are not within their interests. And for them, they've grown up in a time in which how money was made was completely different to how money is made now. Right. So, you know, collectively pulling together the, my involvement in um, the uh, eight hour conference that was headlined by um it was the co-founder of LinkedIn and the um, CEO of Rotten Tomatoes, Patrick Lee. Um, that was the headline of that eight hour conference. Um, I, you know, 
then contrasting over to Asian Heritage Month in Australia, how come that's not a thing? And then, then my own experience and how I developed the confidence and the, the um, just, just, just the, you know, just, just the tenacity now. It's just a matter of going, what do I want now? Let's make that happen. And how do we go about doing that? If I don't know, find somebody who does. Um, so then bring together Asian Heritage AU. And when I came up with Asian Heritage AU, just from a context of the name, there was Asian Heritage Month. And I could have made it Asian Heritage Month Australia, right? But what I decided was, oh, why don't we call the organization Asian Heritage Australia? Then I shortened it a bit more, Asian Heritage AU. And it was A with a letter U. And then I was like, that sounds very official and like, you know, generation boomer, right? So I went, let's, let's go one step further, Asian Heritage AY, like A, and then U with Y-O-U, like A-U, right? Because reality is we're entering the world of casualties. Uh, if I'm if I'm not gonna you know if I'm not gonna hang out with you on a personal level or be able to go hey you know to to you in Asian cultures just to reach out to talk to each other uh, you know without the formalities then I'm probably not gonna want to work with you or do anything with you because that's just the way the world we're going you know what I mean um, so Asian Heritage AU uh, you know then reflecting on my own personal experience I wanted to create that portal and that excuse for Asian for Australians to celebrate Asian Heritage Month in Australia, but also for them to walk into a portal where they can actually develop themselves as creatives, entrepreneurs, leaders, and risk takers. Because reality, let's go like this: our parents, the biggest risk takers. Let's be real. These guys jumped boats. These guys jumped. These guys ducked bombs and boats just to get onto new, you know, new, new, new land. But the re and so for them, it's they're very like, oh, I know what risk taking is like, but here's the road of security that I want you to pursue. Every Asian, every Asian kid that's born in the Western world will understand this. Even not, not even in the Western world, in the Eastern world, right? All they will all understand this concept of reach for security. When the world that we're coming into, security is an idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's a, it's a, it's a perception. It's sold. Um, but you know, this being the case, uh, Asian Heritage AU, why, why we stand to empower creatives, entrepreneurs, leaders, and risk takers is ultimately to show that there are ways to go about this and you can do it in a way in which allows people to be unified in your mission. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. that's really, that's really what we're about. And <clears throat> I know you asked me like, wow, you know, how you came up with, you know, why it started, but realistically that's the cascade of events that has led me to doing what we're doing now. Yeah, of course, of course. And that that made, that one line that you said, how, you know, when our parents talk to us in terms of how they made money then, in terms of how you make money now, two completely separate things. It's changed over those years. The world's first music stock market. Well, when I first heard about that, and when you first told me, told me about that, I thought, wow, <laughs> that, is, that is something new, right? Like, can you just mm. tell us, like, where did that idea come from? And, you know, maybe, maybe I mean, some of our viewers may not even know how a regular stock market works. Could you, could you, could you also maybe explain how a music artist stock market works as well? For sure. So with ValueX, the world's first music artist stock market, um, my business partner is a rapper and I literally met him on the road of Lonsdale street here in Melbourne. <clears throat> I was at university at the time. And um, after uni, after work, I would literally go to a bunch of meetups. I came across a meetup uh, that was around Bitcoin and the blockchain space. And, you know, I walked into this place. I'm like, people are creating all these different currencies for different projects and different platforms. I'm like, this is what the adults are doing after work? Like, okay, all right, cool. You kind of sink in because, you know, you're at university. So you're trying to look into any place that will get you your next gig or your next job, right? 
you walk into it and you're like, oh, okay, so there's a lot of these cryptocurrency exchanges. So exchanges, just for a context for those who don't know, um, you know, things around, you know, trading or buying shares, <clears throat> a stock market in any country is basically a portal in which people go, I have money. Now I want to invest it into random companies or certain companies that I research up and um, can see that them succeeding in future. So that way I can put that money towards a company, have the company leverage that money to ultimately, um, you know, as it develops, the, the, the price of my money will go up or go down based on the progress of the organization. So when we came across the cryptocurrency space, I, I, I told my business partner and our business partner with ValueX, hey man, bro, they're all creating like cryptocurrency exchanges here. Why don't we create an exchange for the music industry? It just it just made natural sense because people were creating cryptocurrency exchanges. Why don't we create the um you know the the stock market for the music industry, where the music artists are ultimately these small companies that people could put their money in to invest, and then when they blow up, that money would naturally blow up, right? Because you know, everyone goes to live gigs and live events to support their artists, but no one's ever looked at these artists as actual startups, <clears throat> as small organizations that actually have a proven business model before any startup has ever started, right? The only difference between a music artist being a um, you know, proven business model is that it's always been something gatekept and hidden. Like, oh, a record label will support them. And then da da da, do you know what I'm saying? So this began the journey of you know, a rapper and a uni student who's now a uni dropout. Um, and you know, putting on the t-shirt of ValueX going out there, learning how to build a website, learning how to, you know, learning about the different partners in the space of fin the financial infrastructures and, you know, learning more about the music industry and the different people that are involved in the life cycle of an artist and the life cycle of a record label. So, you know, what, what ValueX is, you know, they're endeavoring, my, my business partner now spearheads at number one. I've taken us, I, I used to be the number two. So now I've taken a, um, a seat back as an advisor to focus on Asian Heritage AU. But the last four years of my life, just walking into the world of startups and starting to see how this all works. The reality is for you to create this platform requires the reality of a financial services license, i.e. you need to be a bank. So, you know, if you're a bank, you have the license to basically, you know, you say, yep, I'll take money in on behalf of this artist. And now that artist will either succeed or fail, but you have to make sure that the investor gets their money back in a way in which is not misleading. Does that make sense? So that's what the world's first music artist stock market is. And the venture is still going. And, um, you know, for me, it's, it's provided me a great opportunity to develop relationships with people across the, the, the tech, tech space. And um, yeah, I can only tell you that um, I look forward to when it succeeds. Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to keep talking about music, actually. And, um, you know, maybe shift, shift our conversation over there as well. Um, so with music, what what would you say are the ways that you know students can get involved in music outside of you know, these massive formal institutions in like school universities you know these music institutions how can students get immersed into that world outside of it and is it ever too late for anyone to just get involved in it i think um when it comes to the concept of too late um you know you you've got to look at it from like any particular league if you want to be a professional tennis player at 32 and everyone has been training since they're 18, 
that's the probably the concept in which you know your your body and your life can actually how how long are you going to work afterwards to actually um you know be recognized by the leagues you know but in saying so um never too late is an idea but how long you persist at something and whether people recognize you for it that's a different story there's so many variants outside of outliers that you the reality is for you to say that's concrete it's bullshit you know what i mean um more more realistically for the music industry anyone who's wanting to be some form of creative some form of like artist let it be a um, producer or a singer songwriter i would recommend instead of like you know going naturally going to you know any of these institutions and signing up for classes <clears throat> really think about what is it that gives you that sense of oomph if that whether you got that degree or you didn't because you know to get a formal qualification on a very subjective industry right when i say subjective i mean if your sound works it works if the generations if you if your track or what your songs are about are hitting a demographic in which is accepted in the now in comparison to a demographic maybe long long ago you it's about catching waves and movements do you guys get what i'm saying so the thing is you can you can you know express your creativity and express your art learn the tools to be able to do that as a producer you need the digital audio um, you know workstation you know you need the the door you need all these things so that way you can create the actual um, uh, body of work right but then the other side is building relationships I would say talk start looking up websites that these music companies that you've met before go hunt their names down onto LinkedIn find who you need to talk to say hey look I will buy you lunch I will you know I mean I will buy you your coffee I just want to ask you a few questions from a very real place. I'm just trying to figure out what that means. And don't come in saying, I just want to get my foot in the door because everyone wants to get their foot in the door. Just literally ask them from a place of who are you? Why do you do your job at here? And literally like, what, like, what, what, how can I help you? Like I'm a free agent right now. I'm, I just finished junior. I finished school. I'm, I'm, I'm that person. Like I'm free to do anything and everything. And the reality is, I don't need your approval to get my foot in the door. I need you. I need to understand where your mind is at for that role that you're in, because the reality is, do I, I don't even know if I want to work for you yet. Do you know what I'm saying? So to get your foot in the door, it's, it's like a foot in the door is like a chance. Right. And the reality is people don't realize that they can make their chances. If you're a music artist or you're in the industry or you, you work in it, you think you need to know all these people, but the reality is, when you've done enough work, they'll want to know you. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah. So, and when, when you, when about, you like reach out to people as well, I mean, I think mm. what many students are afraid of is that they would say, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I don't have, I don't have the, the time, all that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, what's the worst thing that could happen? No, sorry, we can't. Uh, I don't have the time. Okay, cool. <laughs> I would argue, cool, move on find that next next person find that next thing you would like to work on i don't know is that right i mean is that something that you would see as well yeah, yeah. i mean look you're gonna there's more people than you think that operate in the world of these different industries you yeah. have to think about like music is one thing technology is one thing um retail is one thing or just just all these different things that you know that are particularly industries right just because one person says no there will be another person that says yes and I'll tell you that, you know, you have to suck up a lot of no's. You have to eat this shit for a while before you actually get 
yeah, come in. Because you've got to be that persistent. The reality is, are you, would you be doing what you're doing without the money? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, can you, like, without the fame, without the recognition, would you still be doing it? That's the question. You know what I mean? Like, what's, like, you're having this conversation with a person that works there day in, day out, and you want to be a rising pop star. You know what? Your job is just to be their friend. Just be like, hey, look, my name is Michael. I'm trying to get my foot into A, B, C, and D. Just so you know what I, you know, that's, that's where you can help me. I also want to know how I can help you as a person that's working here. Because you're busy doing your job. But there are things that I can help you with outside of your job that might mean a relationship with somebody else. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that there is where students of the next generation have to realize that if they're going to say no, get ready for the no and get ready for the next guy to say yes. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because just like the same way, you know, we hit each other up on Instagram, like each other's shit, send each other's messages and hope that they respond or not. You just move on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just move on. Just charge it to the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Michael, so I'd just like to finish off this interview with one question. It's the exact same question that we ask literally every expert that comes on here. What that question is, if you could leave the youth with just one piece of advice, what would that one piece of advice actually be? Look into what you're YouTubing. Look into what you're Googling. Figure out if what you like and what empowers you lives in any of the stuff that you've looked into on youtube or google look at any of those things and try and see if that's something that you actually want to be in because most likely you've been calloused by your own educational requirements um but whatever it is that you're googling or youtubing most likely your passion lives there and you'll find it it's just a matter of trusting your gut and the best thing is instead of analysis paralysis just keep doing things until one thing says no and you have to keep failing and taking the wrong steps before you hit the right step and the worst thing is analysis paralysis if you get stuck trust me you'll be stuck for a while just do one thing and just say yes to everything until you find out what it is that you're about that's it thank you for listening to this episode of insights with experts we'd now like to introduce a platform that we think would be useful for all of our viewers Teachers on Wheels is an Australian charity that helps people from all walks of life achieve their career goals. They provide free career guidance and support services to young people in Australia and all over the world, including weekly career webinars with professionals from a diverse range of industries, a resume review service, and a mentoring program in collaboration with Westpac. Thanks for listening in. This podcast has been brought to you by Desera a platform designed to bridge the gap between the youth and professional. You can read more about us at desair.org. And you can also check out the section titled Insights with Experts, where you can submit your questions that you might have for future experts and industries that you would like to learn more about. And you can also refer in any experts that you might know yourself.